us all stand together tonight in the room. Just for you tonight, Brother Eber. Well, it's a you're walking up the king's highway tonight amen. amen are you glad to be in the house of the lord amen. somebody say amen. amen thank you thank you yes we're glad to be in the house of the lord tonight we have just a few requests we want to continue to remember brother ron and, and sister vicky too when our prayer sister shirley had called in i'm not sure what's going on with her but we want to remember her in prayer tonight and sister christy her blood pressure is up i think around 350 so just pray that the lord he knows how to fix that, so we just pray that he'll do it tonight. And I'm sure there's many other requests. If you just make it known by that lifted hand, God sees what we have need of in the service tonight. Amen. Brother Jonathan, come up and lead us in prayer. Amen. You happy to be in church tonight? Did you come expecting tonight? Amen. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you tonight, Lord. Lord, what a mighty God we serve. Lord, witness after witness, testimony after testimony. You continue to move in a day that's gone corrupt, a world that's left you, but yet you're still moving in a bride. Lord, we ask you to come move in us tonight, Lord. Come move in this service. Lord, these requests as we lay them up, Brother Ron, Sister Vicki, Lord. Lord, Sister Shirley, Lord. You see all the ones that have need. Sister Mary, Lord, over... Brother Jeffries, Lord, you see the circumstances. You see the others that may not be here tonight, Lord, sick in body, Lord. We ask you to bless them in a mighty way, Lord. 
Touch their bodies, Lord. Touch their minds, Lord. Touch their souls, Lord. Raise them up to serve you another day. Lord, be with us tonight, Lord. We ask you, Lord. Touch Brother Mark, Lord, as he leads us, Lord. Let us be led into worship, Lord. And let us look to you, the author and the giver of life. And Lord, let us thank for and be grateful and worship in your holy name, Lord. And sing the songs of Zion with a zeal in our heart to worship you tonight, Lord. And touch our pastor as he would come, Lord, and bring the word. Lord, I come expecting tonight, Lord. Lord, the people here has come expecting tonight. Lord, speak to us in a mighty way, Lord. Come from the oracles of your word, Lord, and just speak to our souls. Touch each one of us. Lord, we ask you, Lord, these things, knowing, Lord, that you're capable and more than able to compress each one of them, Lord. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you tonight, and we pray these things in your lovely name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's Wednesday, and I know everybody has been in a battle, but we wouldn't promise a journey of ease. And I got to thinking this morning, I was like, you know, those 200,000 demons have been turned loose on the bride from the river of Euphrates. And every one of God's men has always been put to the test. And what makes you think we're going to be exempt? So we're going to go through tests and we're going to go through trials. But we're overcomers. Amen. I just wanted to sing this song tonight. Keep on the firing line. Everybody help me sing. Well, if you're in the battle for the Lord and the right, keep on the firing line. And if you and my brother, surely you must fight. Just keep on.
he made a way for me. I haven't sung this song in quite some time. I thought we'd try to sing it tonight. Uh, I believe it's a Oh, too many Too much to gain to lose tonight. Amen. Let's sing it. Give it out. <clears throat> My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. 
to stand on and all all other ground is sinking sand amen let's sing this amazing grace shall always be my Bye. 
Can you lift your voice and sing that with me one more time? song I'd change one thing but he let me on my faults <laughs> I wish I just had one <laughs> but I have many tonight and I just pray he looks beyond all of our faults tonight I'm, I, I've never been so thankful as I am today of God's grace his grace is sufficient for us tonight we'll let you have your seats as our ushers come to receive the evening offering and just give to the Lord and I know he'll bless your efforts of giving tonight <clears throat> I think we have a birthday coming up like on Saturday. Is that right? Sister Madeline Holder is going to be celebrating her birthday on Saturday. Let's give her a big hand. Brother Greg and Sister Jeannie has been busy with birthdays. Birthdays here at recent. Amen. Now you got one more. I just want to sing this chorus. It's been on my heart for a couple of days. I want to sing this. I think it's in the key of G. More than ever before, Lord, I love you. Can you say that with me tonight? Oh, more than ever.
How many of you love the Lord tonight with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind? Amen. He's been so good to us. Amen. We are privileged tonight to be able to be called His bride. What an honor and a privilege it is of all the hundreds of millions of people in the world, just a little chosen few is God's bride. And I'm so thankful I can say I'm one of them. Praise the Lord. We're going to invite our pastor to come, so if you'll stand with me tonight, we'll invite him to come and deliver what the Lord has laid on his heart for us. I brought my barrel, not my cup, but my barrel with the Lord to fill it for me tonight. This just kind of goes hand in hand with the last course there. Give it to me. Lord, I want to love you more than I ever have before. Because you're so easy to understand. Christ's coming will be. Do you believe that? And I believe as the bride of Jesus Christ, we must constantly be in the word to know our mate, Jesus Christ, the revealed word. We must constantly keep our minds occupied on the things of God. Such a blessing to be with you this evening to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to take your attention right straight to the word tonight, the Lord helping us. I appreciate our musicians. Genesis chapter 18. 
he had a wonderful service there on Sunday. Praise the Lord. All right, let's get right straight into our scripture tonight. Genesis 18, verses 19. Speaking of Abraham, and I know him that he will uh, command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. I want you to notice here that the, uh, the promise that God gave Abraham uh, was with a condition that his family will be in order, and that he will take command of his family, give order to his family. Then in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18. God, in his creation, the first day, created light, the day, second, the vapor, land and the sea, and the third day goes forth, bringing to pass in the creation of the sun and the moon in the fourth day. And in the fifth day, created the animals, all the creations. The sixth day, he continues with the creation uh, of the earth and such like. And then we notice uh, he comes into the first dispensation of innocency. God then began to bring all things into creation and made man in his image. And then we notice in verses 18 of uh, chapter 2. And the Lord said, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Now I want you to understand that we've been taught for many years and even so much so to believe that God actually made a helpmate for a man. But ultimately, this is what not God is saying here. He's saying that he, he made a woman to help a man to meet the needs. You will never find the word helpmate anywhere in the Bible. You, there's no place in the Bible where it says... God made a man a helpmate. That's his companion. But you will find where he says that he made, as he says here in verses 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. In other words, she is to help him meet the expectations in the family. She's not so much a helpmate as it is, as it is a help meet. It is what God is ultimately saying here is there is a union that has been formed. There's a team that God has put together, and this team of husband and wife will help meet the need of their family. So I, I just want to put that, and, and I know some of your Minds are ticking right now. Well, I thought it says helpmate. There's no place in the scripture you will find, even find the word helpmate. You will find help 
meets because God is bringing a message to the church that there is a man and a woman and to establish a family and for a family to be established, there will be needs that has to be met. And the man singly himself cannot meet those needs. So God made of that man a woman, a wife, someone that will be a companion to him to help meet the needs. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing grace tonight. How we love you, Father, as we go back into series again tonight. We pray that the Holy Spirit will give me wisdom as I bring the word to the people of God tonight. Have your way amongst us, Father. We commit our lives into your hands in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the church says, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. We, uh, we spoke last couple of weeks ago on the family and we went down a long logistics of uh, uh, imagery and uh, what is placed before us uh, is what we will conform to uh, from the stage of infants through the formative years of our lives and those images will stick with us through our life and uh, if there are, there are negative images then it produces negative things in our lives. Depending on what those images are, then we conform to those things that are set before us. Now, many of you as Christians here tonight, you can go back in your past life, a family life, and perhaps you weren't raised with Christians. You may have been raised by a grandparent or whoever the caregiver was. Whatever that was placed before us has actually been instilled in us. And if it is negative things, then it takes the Holy Spirit to uh, correct those areas in our lives by godly teaching, preaching, examples uh, that God has given us. So we'll sort of move away from the area of uh, images tonight. And what I want to deal with tonight is, uh, is uh, the, the family uh, beginning with uh, the husband and the wife Meeting the need of their uh, family, of their immediate family. And this is a broad spectrum tonight. It is not just infants, but uh, uh, teenagers, middle aged, uh, grown children, uh, grown adults. The family goes out on a very broad spectrum uh, tonight. But as leader, as priest, as family, as, uh, as uh, priests of our homes, we have to learn the skills that God has given us how to bring our family in order to God's word tonight. Now, being a godly parent involves being both a nurturer and a disciplinarian. Now, we understand that that word when we talk about discipline, oftentimes when uh, that word comes to our mind, we think of harsh words, we think of punishments, we think of uh, uh, ways to uh, grab a hold of uh, a child's uh, attention, but you see, we'll see in the sermon tonight that uh, it's part of that, but there is much, much more that is being involved in family tonight. Now, this fits in tonight with 
the character of God who is the model parents to all of us tonight. How to nurture us, how to discipline us. God being the father over all creation. He was El Ella Elohim, the self-existent one, but in God, he had the attribute of having a family and wanted to express his fatherhood from what he was in his mind and in his being to an extension of who we are today. So God began then to, uh, to express himself in the form of his thought of what his family would be like tonight. We understand that God is the greater parent of all of us tonight. He is the father of all of us. He is consistent of both motherhood and fatherhood. And him is the power to nurture and to discipline his children. So it is a characteristic of God tonight. He is the, he is the model parents of us all tonight. Now we understand that God's provided way to raise a family is consists of both a man and a woman in a union. Now this is quite contrary to the world now. Especially their, uh, their top priority and their top headline and their top agenda is to focus on the transgender and to raise a family in contradiction to God's plans for families tonight. Every piece of article you read, every headline, every news, it's all about transgender. But yet they do not have that mechanism and that organism inside of them to produce what God has given to the church. You see, God is bringing the church back to where it was in the beginning. This is what the message has done for us. It has brought us back to the original way of God. And we see as the world is pushing their agenda and propagating their uh, perversion, God is again instilling in the church uh, His original plan. Now, we understand that... Uh, it consists of both man and woman in a union. And this is why divorce is such a horrible thing tonight. If you're here tonight and perhaps you were a victim of a divorce, I certainly sympathize with you tonight. I'm sure you'll be the first one to testify how terrible it can be at times trying to cope with family and cope with the past. You see, it creates disadvantage for the parents and consequently the children are the victim of the divorce. It's always been that way. It is always the children that suffers from a divorcement. This is why it goes back now to the original plan in the Garden of Eden that God created one man and one woman and they were made for each other for a lifetime. It was Satan that introduced now the laws of uh, adultery, fornication, and separation from God's uh, family. 
But as I said, it is by the power of the spoken word that God is bringing back a people in the last day that will be restored as he has purposed it. Now, it takes two to raise a family. And I want you to understand tonight that parenting together with each other, sharing diverse views of discipline methods, it's like uh, spending time on a seesaw. Because there are ups and there are downs. You are not going to be able to come together as a family. Parenting together poses challenges when you don't see eye to eye on discipline methods for all ages in the family. You see, both parents must be in sync as nurturers and disciplinarians in the family. And friends, I want you to understand that you will see that I will move from infancy to preteens, preteens to even adult uh, teenagers to even marry uh, couples within that family. And I will show you how uh, perplexed the family can become. But when it is addressed under God's leadership and His Word, then all things will work together for good. I want you to understand that God gave Adam uh, help meets uh, and... Uh, the responsibility was on both of them. When God gave Adam, the Bible said, and God gave Adam a help meet. So the responsibility is on both parents to nourish, nurture, and to discipline that family. And when I say discipline, that's harsh. But yet it is a way of order and principles to that family. I believe that husbands and wives are the first example of uniting together with undying love. When, when a union is made, a man and a woman must uh, secure their relationship on one term and one term only. And that is to bond with undying love towards each other. Now, it does not mean that they will not face challenges. There will not be days they will be upset and angry and have harsh words and disagreements. But they have this one thing in common. And that is their purpose that they will stay in love with each other because they're prayed over their relationships. Are we together now? I'm just laying the groundwork tonight. Nothing should ever come between their relationships. You see, our wives are our sweethearts, and they should always be that way. I'm getting somewhere tonight. They are our sweetheart, and they should always be that way. What I'm trying to say is we have to sure up the relationship before we can have family relationships. For our example to pass on to our heritage, there has to be a relationship that is sure one for the other tonight. So our wives are our sweethearts. Brothers, you can say amen or oh me. But they are our sweethearts. Brother Brown said this in a message, perseverance. 
She's still your sweetheart. I know all of us Christians feel that way about our wives. All Christians should feel that way about their wives. They're still our sweethearts. I hope it never changes in my family. and never changes in your family. That we can always feel that way about our wives. Praise God. They are still our sweethearts. They can nag you. They may get upset at you. They may aggravate you. They may do things that just tick you off. But they are still your sweetheart. Y'all getting quiet. Don't let me go down that trail tonight. After all, they stand side by side with us. They help us fight these battles. And we need them. Yes, we need them. We can't do it by ourselves. Families consist of both a man and a woman. And God saw that a man is not able to meet the need of his family singularly. So he gave him a wife to be a helpmeet. Is that correct? Not a place he said, check this out. It's kind of funny. Life story, 1950. I've got a little old fat wife here. And I think she's the sweetest woman in the world. Boy, them are fighting words. Amen. Better be careful what you're saying. Don't try it out at home, brothers. I mean, he said he's got a little fat wife. I, I, I like to have been a, a fly on the wall when he said this. What is, I, I'm sure his wife didn't smile. I'm sure she didn't think it was funny. I'm sure that after the sermon, they had a long talk on the way home. What do you mean, fat wife? Come on, church. But my point is, they are still our sweethearts. The sweetest woman in the world, hallelujah, is the one that makes you mad. Is the one that upsets you. Is the one that seems to say the wrong things every time. Because God knew that you needed that in your life. Is that right? But they are our helpmates. It takes both mother and father to be team in the family uh, this, uh, this, uh, this evening. I'm going to deal with an area here because I see it, it's an area where many people are following through the cracks. Because uh, Satan knows how to come and separate a man and a woman. And when the husband and the wives are separated on opinions or uh, uh, certain principles and values, then Satan has a way and entry into that family. When one is up against the wall, then the other, then the family is divided. Is that correct? You see, both, both husband and wife are a team together. They are a team as a, as, a, as a union. They are a team. They're working at the same goal and purpose for that family. When one is up against the other, then the family is divided, you see. And each one has their roles, but collectively they have the same goal and the same vision. You see, I found in the message a lot of manipulation, a lot of manipulation and 
uh, things are creeping in the family, and I'm doing everything I can as a pastor to bridge up those gaps tonight. You see, I want you to understand that each parent must be on the same page when it comes to discipline and order. I have you to understand, just in case you don't know tonight, that children are smart. And if they see that one parent does not, does not discipline the same way the other does, they will try to manipulate the situation leading to conflicts between parents. I have seen it where actually children has broken up a wonderful marriage. Because that spirit of manipulation has come upon them and they work behind the scene to keep that marriage in a chaos. Listen to me tonight. I know where I'm coming from. They will try to manipulate situations leading to conflicts between, uh, between uh, parents. And this action initiates a great family feud. You can see it. You can hear it today. I know of couples that uh, uh, they are separated today simply because uh, it was the children that caused the separation. The parents were not together on views and discipline and values. And as a result of that, they choose one over the other. As a result of that, it caused great disaster in many families tonight. And Satan will use any family member that will yield to his, uh, to his ambitions tonight. It's important that children understand they cannot get their way by winning one parent over. They must understand that the parents are together with their decisions, with their house rules, with their principles, with their values, with their morals, with their stand for God. They have to be together. You can see why this is becoming such a, uh, such a vast problem in, in our churches because you have people that are living together that have different values and views and, and ways of raising families. And when they come together, it's nothing but chaos in the homes. And then that trickles over into the church. And, and then it becomes now a collective problem uh, in the body of Christ. Children that see their parents, they should see them as a unified team tonight. We are, as parents, to unite together in decisions over our families. Where we go to church, who our pastor is, what's been preached, who we fellowship with, our association, our recreative life, our social life, our spiritual life is important and it impacts the family directly. Is this all right tonight? And I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just going to preach because uh, I feel this is what God wants me to preach to this church and I just have to stay with what God tells me to do tonight. It's important that we unify as a team tonight. Understand that working together as a team and communicating daily will help guard against confusion 
and head off potential family arguments and conflicts. When families, when, when, uh, when the head of the home is not unified and not together, it makes for a horrible family. It's the truth. You can be in the same message church together and, and be husbands and wives, but yet you adopt some strange principles from the outside and bring it inside, and then you have conflicts in your way of raising a family. And this sort of behavior creates nervousness and tension in families. It does, friends. It causes fights. It causes tension. It causes friction within the family of God. You wonder sometimes why there's so much uneasiness and nervousness, and you just feel that that funny that funny feeling. It's because if it trickles down to this very thing that I'm preaching about tonight that we learn how to communicate with each other as family tonight. You heard the old saying, family talk. Family talk is important. It's important to sit down as a family and to discuss matters. Even sometimes if it's... Uh, if it's uh, not pleasant, it still needs to be dealt with as a family. Can't sweep things under the rug and expect to come out with a solution and magically your family become this model of family. You have to face up with these things. There's a white elephant in the room that you need to expose it and talk about it. You need to deal with it. I'm talking from infancy to adult children. We need to talk as family and sit down and open and discuss what's upon our minds. Why do you think you have able counselors and psychiatrists and all these things? Half the time, I'm one of them and I'm licensed. Half the time, we don't do anything but listen. And if we can pass that lesson on to you, that you be good listeners and begin to communicate with one another. It will help solve a lot of your problems. 99% of my counseling sessions are solved by just being a sounding board. You understand that? And your family matters can be resolved by being a good listener and communicate, communicate with your families. I don't know why it has to be so difficult that we can approach certain areas of our families and certain matters. And we just assume they're going to just go away if we don't talk about them. Let me tell you, you don't talk about it. It's just going to keep growing and festering and fuming and eventually a build up to a volcano. And there'll be a major explosion in your family. And you wonder what happened because you didn't sit down as a family and communicate. Are you with me tonight? Is this all right with you? It's important that we do. We come together and understand these things. It creates nervousness and tension in families. It shouldn't be anything that you're not able to discuss with your teenagers, your children, or your adult children. There's nothing that we should not be able to be open with and share our opinion and our views and our values with one another. You understand what I'm saying? You see, our spirit affects one another. I like what Red Brown said in a message in 1963, question and answers. Number two, let one member of the family get nervous. 
It goes to the ne next member and the next member. And the first thing, you're all fussing and going on. And one member of the family gets kind of upset about something. It upsets the other and the other and the other. And the first thing you know, the whole family's upset. It's Satan. There are no laws that said we cannot sit down and talk things out. It is the devil that programs our minds that we are to avoid certain subjects in our families. Now, I don't know what those subjects are. I'm just, I'm just preaching to you tonight. You're the one that lives with your family. You know what needs to be talked, talked about and, and addressed and dealt with. You will never have a successful family if you're constantly looking for ways to avoid conflicting subjects. Are you with me tonight? Listen, I'm teaching tonight. Amen. I'm teaching tonight. If you're constantly trying to find a way to discuss conflicting subjects, you'll never be a family of unity and love. It's just a fake. That's all there is to it. It's a fake. Because families sit down and family talk about matters. And family are transparent. And family have each other to be help meets to meet the needs for what is necessary in our families. And we say we have healthy relationships. And we are healthy and we are fine. Friends, let me say Satan is lying to people in this age. Satan wants you to avoid the obvious that's before you. Let me say this. Tonight's consistency and discipline is key tonight. And both parents should agree on which behaviors are desirable and which are unacceptable tonight. You must determine in your house what behavior is desirable and what is unacceptable in your house. Are you with me tonight? Amen. I'm opening a vast, vast subject. This is a vast highway. I'm going down tonight. And I know I can't cover it all, but you can fill in the gaps tonight. You must be consistent with your discipline. You must agree what is acceptable, desirable, and what is unacceptable. And there are ways to go about and establish grounds on matters tonight. Are you with me? Both parents also need to agree on the parental resp uh, 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 resp uh, response to their children's uh, behaviors. They must, be, they must come together as in a union and agree upon uh, the response of their uh, children's uh, behavior. And this is from uh, diaper to becoming uh, a married people. How you as a, a parent, as a leader, as a priest is going to bring your family together. You said, Brother Joseph, you're going pretty deep tonight. Let me tell you something. You go back in the Old Testament, the head of every house brought their family under the order of what God said. And I can prove to you Levitical and Deuteronomy and all the many other scriptures where the head of a house, when he's, once he's chosen, he became the priest of that family. He's not a dictator. He's not one that rules 
uh, with an iron fist, but he is the priest of that family. God never gives separation of age, even when their families had grown and had families of their own. They still named them the head of their tribes. That's why there's only 12 tribes in all of Israel. And God, he owes each one of those tribes as, as the head of uh, that uh, entire generation or that family. You know, preaching like this tonight is hard to swallow into today's society. Because they want to do away with all the principles of the Bible. And everything that pertains uh, to family. They will try to tell you that, that this is just... This is just rules. This is just dictatorship. This is, uh, this is being uh, uh, overly controlling uh, uh, family or overly controlling parents. Let me tell you, friends, there is a wrong way and a right way to do things. And God has instructed us in his word how we should go about these, uh, these ways that God has given us. Both parents... Need to agree on the parental response to their children's uh, behavior. How how do we how do we react to certain behavior as husband and wife? Are you just gonna wink at it, or or uh, just that problem became becomes a, a pet problem to bond you and the child together, and then uh, that. Other parent is left out because they have a certain higher views and expectations. You see how Satan knows how to divide the family. As parents, you must come together and understand. I'm looking at Exodus as God spoke to Moses and he spoke to every head of every household. And they were to bring their family, I mentioned it last Wednesday night, under the blood, the Paschal Lamb. And they were to implement certain ordinances that God had given to the Israelites. And they were to stay with what God taught them. And if there was anything outside of that teaching, then there were severe consequences. And your parents tonight need to decide what will be the consequences. What will the consequences be? And how do you implement these things in various levels of family? You need to learn that. It's a skill that you ask God to develop as you you become uh, mature in the Lord Jesus Christ. What will the consequences be when we, when we have, when we have, let's start with the children, we have house rules being broken, we, we see defiance, disrespect, parents must come together in agreements uh, as to what the consequences are going to be. You can't have one pulling one way and one the other way. It makes for a horrible family. You understand what I'm saying? As children begin to grow, we understand and we see that there are other ways to where you go about doing things. 
uh, such as loss of privileges and curfews and groundings. And I don't want to give you the rules. You need to come up with your own principle of consequences to your families. I don't want you to use my, my words and say, well, Brother Joseph said this is what I should do. You need to ask God for wisdom how to implement consequences when, uh, when, uh, when things happen and behaviors are outside of the, the family uh, rules and principles. Ensure that the consequences tonight are consistent and follow through. Otherwise, uh, there will be a breach of trust and respect in that family. You see that what I'm saying tonight? You've got, you've got, we've got so many, we've got so many disorderlies, dysfunctional uh, family within the churches. And I tell you, forgive me for saying it, but I, I've studied many religion and organization and, and I had to go through many courses as a counselor. And I've seen more dysfunctionality in message churches than any of the organization that I've seen. Because we had this mindset that uh, we, don't, we don't have order. We don't believe in organized, uh, uh, you know, organization and such like. We do believe in organization of family. Maybe not organized religion, but we believe in organization of family and, and fam, true family principles. But we have these old mindset been ingrained into the people in this age. And then we come up at the end of the day and wonder what happened to our family. Why isn't the stereotype broken in the family? It's because the right approach has not been given to it. And I hope tonight, I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm by far, amen, uh, 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 of an example here tonight. I'm, I'm trying by God's help. But I've tried to do the best I can uh, as a leader and as a father and as a priest of my home to implement some of these simple truths that I bring into you tonight. Consistency is very important. And to follow through as parents. Otherwise, there will be a breach in trust and respect in a family. And both parents are co-head when it comes to discipline tonight. They're both co-heads when it comes to discipline. Fatherhood and motherhood are a role of consistency with discipline. Can I just take you back through some of the very elementaries and then we'll progress into the mature stage of uh, adulthood of family tonight. But let's just read back in the Proverbs chapter uh, 20, uh, 13 and 24 tonight. This is certainly contrary to the way of society today, but it's still the word of God. Amen. Proverbs 13, 24, the Bible said, He that spared his rod hated his son, and he that loveth him chastened him betimes. Betimes meaning early at an early age or stage in a matter. Parents are to step in and to uh, be able counselors over their families. Listen, it says that this is the word of God. He that spared his rod, hated his son, and he that loved him, chastened him betimes. You know, all people, children are looking for is the truth. 
whether they're in diapers, they're teenagers, or they're married children, adults out there, they're looking for the truth. You understand? You say, well, if I tell the truth, I'll be an enemy to them. I want to challenge you on that statement. They will love you more than you ever realize when you tell them the truth. Because there'll come a time when they want truth and they'll never come to you because they know they can't trust you. When you begin to build that sort of trust in their lives, there'll come a time in their life that is very crucial and, and very, very crucial and difficult, a fine line between a great disaster and you need to be there for your family. But you build this trust as you go along in life through everyday matter, whether it hurts or maybe they're angry, they're upset. They may not even speak to you, but I'll tell you the truth. There'll come a time when they'll pull that card on you. It's important. He that spared his, uh, his rod, hated his son, and he that loved uh, him, chastened him big times. Look at Proverbs 22 and 15 quickly. I'm just, I'm just, just going to race through these just to bring you to something here. Notice uh, Proverbs 22 and 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. You know, then you go from uh, getting a hickory to, uh, 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 you know, to, to, to being physical in, in the form of discipline to it becoming now a way of option and then to another stage of just, uh, just words that you use that is actually even harder than even a, a whip because words can go deeper than you can even take a, a, a whip and, 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 and lash someone with. Our tongue can become such a weapon if we're not careful. This is what he's saying. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. We have the responsibility as parents to tell the truth. A word sometimes can be heavy and harsh when it comes to grown adults and grown children. But I'll tell you what they want and they need to hear the truth. They need sometimes to get a good tongue lashing and to come back to where the principles of God is. And when they're children, it is important that you use the principle that God has given to take care of them. You know what the world calls this today? They call it child abuse and child child punishment, child neglect, child abuse. But I tell you, the word of God never fails. I thank God for every, every whip in my hand in my life because it reminds me of something that I should not have done. And God loved me enough to chastise me. Look at Proverbs 23 and 13. The Bible said, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Sometimes you feel like you were going to die. Sometimes you feel like it was the end of your life. I used to learn to start screaming and hollering before the whip even catch me. But my dad was smart. He knew that was just a fake. He just stand there and raise it. And we just keep fussing and going on like, 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 like we just, we've just been beat to death. So I didn't even lash you yet. Hey Amen. You're crying. Hey Amen. Suddenly you just get real quiet and serious and you look up and here it comes. Because you see, parents, 
must understand that it's hard to do those things. No, no parent, no parent like to correct their family. No parent like to, uh, to whip them when they're little. No parent. It's unpleasant. You think about the reality of that, of one human just whipping another human out. Inhumane, it seems, but yet it is God's principle. Whether it's through words or a physical whip, God implemented these truths for us. Look at Proverbs 23 and 14. It said, Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. See, this is indicating both spiritual and natural matters that people want the truths. Tell me the truth. Praise God. You know, that's just a stickler with me. I'm sorry. If there's anything that I despise is a lie, just tell me the truth. I don't care how horrible it is. I don't care how shameful it is. I will never hold anything on anybody that wants to confess the truth. My children will tell you, if there's anything that I hate is a lie. They'll, they'll, if they will be truthful with me, that's all I ask is for the truth. Because a, a lie is very dangerous. It could cause a lot of problems, friends. God wants us to be able as parents to uh, implement these truths. He said, and thou shalt beat him in a rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. It's hard. And I tell you, there's some things I wish... I could say it right now, but I, I, I'm on the internet, but I tell you, it's hard, but you, you have to do it sometimes. And they may not talk to you, they may not speak to you, but you have to say it sometimes. You have to do it, you have to say it. You have to be truthful. If you love that child, you'll tell them the truth. Hallelujah. Just I love you enough to tell you the road that you're choosing is not the right road for you. The people that you're hanging out with are not the right people for you. And if you continue down those roads, you're going to carry some baggages in your lives. But I'm trying to save you from hell. The Bible says it. And thou shalt beat them with a rod and shalt deliver a soul from hell. What's he talking about here? He was talking about principles and values and life and being truthful and being transparent and being honest and open. And none of us are perfect. I don't know if we'll ever be in this body, but I'll tell you, we're striving towards per- perfection tonight. Is that right? Sometimes it's some of the hardest thing to look at your grown children and to tell them certain things because they have a mind of their own. They're mature in their bodies, and but yet you have to say things that are unpleasant. But yet, I tell you, if you really love that child, if you really love that son or that daughter, you will sacrifice every feelings aside and say, God, just like you, the Bible said, whom the Lord, the Lord loveth, he chastises it and he bring it to himself. Do you believe it? Now, not correcting your children will lead to dishonor and in no way this is an act of love. No way it is an act of love. As a matter of fact, it is pure ignorance. I've seen too much of it in our day, in our age, and in the churches. Well, I, I, I love them. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Listen, I'm not trying to get you pumped up to make enemies with your family. I'm just telling you when it's necessary, tell the truth and be transparent about it. 
and your family will love you and you will save your children from hell is what the Bible says. Are you with me now? Demonstrate by examples before children what exactly is expected. You know, children are not just going to uh, just uh, meet your expectations unless there is some demonstration before them. They don't know what you, what you want unless you model it before them. They don't know what your expectations are unless you model that expectation before uh, your families. Are you with me now? Well, I ask a couple one time, well, you know, did your children, did, you know, they did this, they complain about, they were having an attitude, they were a teenager, they done this, they done that, they done the other. I said, well, have you sat down with them and, uh, and share your expectancy with them? But even more so, have you demonstrated before them your expectation? Well, no, we haven't talked about it, but I mean, you know, they, they should know. No, you talk about these things. And you demonstrate these things before your families. Now, I know this is elementary tonight, but it's downright truth. Amen. They have to be demonstrated. Examples before children has to be uh, demonstrated. You see, there seems to be a division in many marriage relationships and homes, as I've said. Families are to maintain unity in every decision for the commonwealth uh, of the family. They are, they are, to, they are to maintain this, uh, maintain this unity in decisions uh, for every area of the family. No, you're not going to always agree, but you must understand as family, mature families, mature mothers and fathers must understand they've lived on this earth longer than their children and they have had some roads behind them. And they must be able to sit down with their children and say, listen, let me show you uh, the ways of life. And let me teach you how to avoid some pitfalls in your life that can be very devastating and scar your life as you go on into your family making. It's important that we understand these things. In agreement or disagreement, there must be neutral grounds tonight. A A compromise. Not everyone would always have their way. Neutral grounds are where we are in oneness with God and what is best for the whole family. And I believe that God requires a family of oneness. He requires a family uh, of oneness. Togetherness is important. And I tell you, it makes for a horrible family when everybody's got their own opinion. And you can see that actually happens on Sundays. Where are we going to eat? Well, I'm going here. I want to go here. And I want to go there. And I, you got that's just, just a, a comical experience. Just where we're going to go eat. But when you bring it down to family values and views and discipline and areas of, of how we go about to make decisions, it becomes more complex. It becomes very, very, very distraughting when you look and you see family are not able to stay together and stick with a plan that God has given. The prophet made these statements. I, I, I think they're worth uh, quoting to you tonight in a message. The masterpiece, he says, notice the great masterpiece of the family. The husband and wife cannot be truly a family unless they're one. They have to be. 
If they're not, they're not a good family. Wife pulling one way and husband another, that'll make a horrible, awful family. But an agreement with love one to the other, that's a family. Isn't that amazing? I've had people even come to me before in a past as a pastor, and, and one wants to come to my church, and the other wants to go somewhere else. And it's like, look, I, I, it don't work. it's not going to work that way. You got to come together as a family. You got to come together as husbands and wife. The wife can't be off somewhere else, and the husband somewhere else because they want to be with their best friends. That's not how it works. Your best friends are your family, your immediate family, your. Your, your, your uh, responsibility is to your immediate family. You understand what I'm saying? I love that. He said, notice the great masterpiece of the family. A husband and wife cannot truly be a family unless they're one. They have to be. They must be. Or they're not a good family. One pulling one way, the other pulling the other way. That will make an awful family. But in agreement with love uh, to the other, that's a real family. Sometimes we have to sacrifice our own feelings just to keep things going. Sometimes we have to uh, compromise on our feelings just to allow things. I don't mean values. I'm talking about personal preferences to allow things to work together as a family. The wife may want this and children may want this and a husband might want this, but a man or a woman ought to be able to look over a matter and, and see if this uh, this issue is creating such tension in our family that we, we, can, we can't live like this. We, we have to seek ways to where we can uh, uh, make a, a good compromise that will bring the family together. With me now. One, let me drop one more in there. In 1962, he said, any man and his family, a correct, good, noble, obedient family is one with another, any family. And if there's something in that family that moves them apart, then that's not right. The family is broken somewhere. There should be one father with mother, mother with father, children with parent, parent with children, all in agreement. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that don't mean that, you know, because one likes a chocolate and one likes vanilla and everybody ought to eat chocolate because daddy likes chocolate. I'm talking about values. I'm talking about discipline. I'm talking about principles. I'm talking about for the whole of a family that, that, that brings that family together because listen, after you're long gone, your heritage are going to go on. The best thing you can leave with them is great values and instruction in a life of example before your families. Are you with me now? For the family cycle to rotate, everyone has to pull their loads tonight. Grandmothers, grandfathers, uncles, aunts, everybody has to pull their load for that family cycle to rotate. It's a family, it's a circle of life. You understand what I'm talking about tonight? The world makes it complicated, but God has the original formula for families in Genesis. I just read it. He gives man a help meet, and together they establish a family, and they're creator of their generation that will uh, be way ahead of their time by the way of their action today. Are you following me tonight? So we understand they, there must be this, this uh, area of life to where we, we all understand uh, what our load is 
and to carry that load. We're all to be given uh, or given a, a, a burden to share and we'll one day uh, have to give accountability of our stewardship. You understand that? God will ask of us uh, of our stewardship. In Luke chapter 16, I don't have time to go into it, but the, 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 the rich man gives a steward a certain responsibility. And it requires the stewardship of that uh, servant. So is God with us. He's given us the stewardship to be husbands, to be wives, to be, uh, to be his children, to be uh, a family tonight. And he expects us to be uh, responsible in our stewardship over our families. So we've all been given a burden to share tonight. And one day, God will require us to give accountability of our stewardship. If you're looking for the Bible tonight, there's a lot of places, and I, and I got to wind up. There's a lot of places tonight that speaks about stewardship. Uh, uh, fathers to be a stewardship over his, uh, of, his, of his home, his family, over his business, of, over his spirituality, over his finances, uh, over his behavior, over his demeanor, over his example. He used to be a stewardship over all these areas. And then God looks upon all those things, and he said, Brother Joseph, it's just too complicated. No, it isn't. If you follow the formula, it works out right. God has a provided way for us to live tonight. You understand, friends? We complicate family. We complicate church. We complicate this message because we have other ways outside of God's way. But God has a provided way for all things to be done. You understand that? Understand now, and, and I'll close on this, in this area. When we neglect to execute our duties as family member, it takes grace to keep that family together. When, when we fail to execute our responsibility, our duties as family member, then it'll take grace for that family to stay together. What is God asking of us tonight as I close? Our stewardship, friends. I want to be a good steward. I want to be a good steward over my finances, over my family, over my health, uh, over my job, over everything. I want to be a good steward. I'm sure you get up every morning, Brother Nathan, you pray those prayers. God, make me a good steward over my business, over my family, over my mind, over my, my everything. That's, that's what God requires of us tonight is to execute good stewardships in our lives. You believe that? It takes grace for that family to stay together. In other words, that family is in jeopardy. And a home life, the home life is broken down, as we see it tonight, by the influence of modern society families. And we as people of God need to guard against those teachings and principles that's been, uh, that's been peddling uh, through our nation, through movies and interviews and, and, and tele-broadcasts uh, and through uh, podcasts and everything. Their subliminal message has been sent to our families to influence our families in the way of today's society. And today's society has no family values. It's whatever that will, uh, whatever you want to be and however you want it to be, that's how it's going to be. And churches have taken on the same attitude. I saw a church sign the other day. It was coming down the road driving. And it says, uh, 
uh, all are welcome. Come as you are, come as you are, and be as you want to be. What kind of message is that sending? Come as you are and be what you want to be. No, you don't want to be like Jesus. I don't want to come as I am. I want to come and get changed by the power of God. Not come as you are and say as you are, but change me, oh God. Change my mind. Change my spirit. Change my soul. The home is broken down by the influence of modern uh, society, uh, families, and not only that, by ecclesiastical teachings uh, within the churches. This brings me to Sunday morning. I'll be dealing with the Feast of the Trumpets. All seven trumpets blew under the sixth seal. And I want you to peer into the sixth seal as I break it open Sunday morning. I'll be dealing more on the ecclesiastical spirits within the churches, which consist of families being influenced by the way of religiosities. God help us is my prayer. Do you love them tonight? Let us all stand. God is good, isn't he? All the time, God is good. I pray every day for you that God will give you strength and wisdom in this age we live in this time. We're dealing today with a religious warfare that broke out first on the Jews. And then after the Jews were captured under that anointing, it came into the religious streams of Romanism. And now it's been dispersed back into the harlot church. But remember, friends, Protestant denomination is a harlot church. Protestant denomination is a harlot church. And these spirits are trickling right into our midst. I'll break it down by the help of God. Them trumpets blowing under that sixth seal and show you what God is doing in this age and how it's affecting the people of God, their mind, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, to where they're not able to grasp the rapturing faiths that God is trying to give to the church. But may God help us all, is my prayer. Do you love him tonight? Do you appreciate him tonight? God is good to us. He's good all the time. Let's sing a little song tonight before we go. Lord bless you. Hallelujah. Oh, God is good. All the time he put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time through my darkest hour. His light will shine. God is good. He's so good all the time. to tell us the truth. Hallelujah. Don't you love him tonight? And thank God that he's able to teach us in the ways of the Lord.
Do you understand that was the ministry that came in the 1960s when there was a lot of healing and miracle campaign? A Malachi prophet broke in with a teaching ministry. Hallelujah. They weren't used to that. Amen. We're going to set the church back in its place. You know, teaching sets the church in order tonight. You understand that? Teaching sets our family in order. Boy, we are in for our time Sunday morning by the grace of God. You pray for me as I open up those, uh, those seven trumpets, a feast of the trumpets. We'll just see what Lord has in store for us. You appreciate them tonight. Thank you so much for your prayers. The wife and I and grandchildren had a wonderful time away. We got grounded in Orlando. And a storm came through, and we, we got caught in a plane for about three hours. I didn't think I'd ever get out of that airplane. I thought, God, get me out of this place as quick as you can. But by the grace of God, we made it home. We thank God we're here with you. Appreciate uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and his grace to us and uh, for you standing in the gap. We look forward to Sunday, by God's grace. We invite a friend, get someone here. I'll be doing some really good preaching on those uh, trumpets on Sunday. You'll be blessed by it. I promise you. You say, oh, I, I just that's just too deep. No, don't worry. Uh, it's going to be broken down to where, to where you will catch what God is saying in this age and making us ready for the rapture. Don't you want to be ready for the rapture? Amen. Let me see your hands. You want to be ready for the rapture? God bless you. That's my job is to get you ready. Amen for the rapture. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing grace to us. I pray, God, as time has went so swiftly tonight, just trying to lay down some of the principles and the basic teachings here tonight before we delve a little deeper. Time has uh, stolen from us again another hour, but all is well in Jesus' name. We pray that you'll go with us. Bless us. Bless our family. Bring us back here on Sunday morning should you tarry the appointed time. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the church says, amen and amen. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Uh, love the Lord. Set him before you. Keep in prayer. Keep right up. Amen. And God will take care of you. Amen. We'll see you Sunday by God's help.